Hi, and welcome to the Embody Your Flow podcast. My name is Monica Martin. I am a life transformation coach, and I am here to hold space for you to create a life you truly love by blending spirituality and science. I overcame CPTSD due to severe childhood trauma and burned out. This podcast is all about life transformation, wellness, and reclaiming your birthright, which is to live a life that makes you feel happy, fulfilled, and free. Today, I get to interview Roger Williams. Roger is a writer, a podcaster, adventurer, and head crosser offer of his bucket list. After more than 30 years working in the youth development and teaching field, a year in quarantine and two heart attacks, Roger embarked on an adult gap year to prioritize a life in which he is known not by his professional work, but by the way he lives his life and the people he grows relationships with. He just completed a three-month journey traveling around the world to cross items off his bucket list and inspiring others to do the same. Hi, Roger. How are you? I'm doing well, Monica. Thank you for asking. I'm very happy to have you here today to talk about your powerful life transformation. And so tell me, where, where were you born? Where, how did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in the Midwest of it, of the United States in Indiana. A uh, very conservative background. Yeah, and and so it. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a lot of exposure to the world. My parents weren't massive travelers. You know, very much homebodies. They started traveling later in life into their fifties, sixties. Um, started going around the world. Um, so I didn't really have exposure to that. My my greatest exposure to the world was National Geographic. Okay. And um, you you went to into the teaching field, right? Yes, I did a lot of youth development stuff. Worked for some NGOs and uh, ran an NGO for youth where we helped them get in volunteer opportunities. And then I went back to college, got my teaching degree and certificate, and started teaching. And so the last um, five years, six years, I was working helping young people that were either first generation college bound university bound or um, uh, low income, help them get into university. Okay. Yeah. Because I know like, it's like university in the United States is so freaking expensive. Yes. Um, so yeah, I can understand that it's like a real stretch to, to get educated. Right. Especially when you don't have uh family that have gone through that process and understand the systems. So we were, we, we did really help them um, figure out how to navigate those systems. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's awesome. And at some point in your life, you had two heart attacks. Could you tell me more about this? Yes. It's a great question. I like most people during lockdown, had a lot of time to think about my life. Um, you know, we weren't going into work. We were working remotely. And so it added some extra time to just think about things in life, especially going through a pandemic Yeah, and having to deal with all those issues. On top of that, there was already stress and just trying to figure out what was going on <clears throat> around me. And in 2020, uh, December, I had an initial heart attack and coming out of that really started thinking about, okay, where do I find my self-worth? And that was the big question that I had after that, you know, check with mortality. Yeah. <laughs> I started thinking, where do I find my self-worth? And especially in the United States, 
<clears throat> you know, when you meet somebody new, the first question people ask is, where do you work? You know, like, what yeah. do you do? What Here do you do? would be like, yeah, what do you do? It's it's the question that I hate the most because I don't think mm-hmm. that what you do actually defines who you are. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thought process I went through is that, I, you know, I do this thing where I help young people and everyone always, you know, when I told people that they're like, oh, that must be so rewarding. Well, yeah, your work should be rewarding no matter what you do at some level. Yeah. But it was also work you know, taking phone calls at, you know, text messages at midnight and, you know, constantly, you know, being, at least here in the States, you're, as a teacher, you're a social worker, you're a janitor, you're yeah. <laughs> you're part of the food service uh, team. You know, I mean, it, there's so many hats that you play and nurse sometimes. So it's, it's very stressful. Although it was rewarding yeah. to help those young people, it was also stressful and I wanted to be known for more than just what I did. Who I like to say, I, I wanted to be known more than for who I sold my labor to and what I did to sell it. Of course. And I just have a question. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it was very stressful because, because education lacks funds, basically? Yeah, overall, it's just support. I would say it's it's bigger than just funds. It's support, right? But if Teachers, you have the funds, you can hire your people to have more support. Yes, but that's a that's a big ask in the United States, right? Because we we tend to p- push everything towards business, like whether it's a church, whether it's education. Yeah. You know, it's like run it like you would run a business, and mm-hmm. most businesses operate at, a, at try to have a very low overhead when it comes to people. Unfortunately, when you're teaching people are what make the difference you need teachers and so there's was just this continuous move to to do more with less and it's constant thing here in the states you gotta do more with less and so it was it was stressful and you know having a heart attack just kind of opened my eyes to say okay well what's going on with me and 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 where do i really want to find myself worth yeah and then there was a second Right. Yeah. Well, actually, the first one really caused me to like really make a life change for myself. Uh, not as drastic as the second one, but but I, you know, I decided that I wanted to be known for the experiences that I had and the people I had them with. Uh, I wanted to. I want for people to ask me, you know, what do you do? I wanted to say I cross things off my bucket list. And that was really what I wanted to be able to answer that question. So. Um, Right after the heart attack, I bought tickets to go to Spain for a month. I walked the Camino de Santiago, 790-kilometer trek across northern Spain, something I had wanted to do for a real long time. And so for me, I had always had this bucket list in my head, mm-hmm. but I had never written it down. And so after the heart attack and then looking through those questions and questioning my life, I went to all my social media accounts and changed my job title to be the head crosser offer of my bucket list. And the person that I worked for was me. And, and so I, I didn't get a lot of response from that, but it, but for me, it was a change in my heart to say, okay, this is what I'm about. And so the number one thing on my bucket list was to, was to go to Spain and cross off the Camino de Santiago. It's something that I had, had in my head for probably 11 years uh, and had never done it, never done it. Talked about it a whole lot. Why? <laughs> um, a lot of it had to do with seeing the movie The Way. With I know. Shane. I mean, why didn't you do it before? You know, I think a lot of it had to do with 
um, just the expectations of, of my life revolved around my job. So how do you take a month off in the States? That's a big deal, right? Uh, in because Europe- um, like here, for example, in Europe, like I lived in France, I am now living in Switzerland. You know, you have like, I don't know, you have like one, like one or two months off every summer. And how is it like in the United States? Do you have weeks off or how, how does that work? Yeah. So in the United States, there's a great book called uh, The European Dream, which is a really good book. Uh, it's I think it came out several years ago, like 15 years ago. But they talk a lot about the differences. And in the States, you might start off at a new job with two weeks, if you're lucky, uh, two weeks of paid vacation. So, And then it will take you probably over 20 years to get the four weeks of vacation. 20 and years yes, yes oh my freaking god <laughs> oh my god right. i have right. you know when i used to work in corporate i, I would have five weeks off every year right yeah right. oh my god yeah it's it's massively different so so here on top of that most people don't take all the vacation that they're given every year why not be- because there's this sense that you have to keep working, that you have that if you take time Hustle off. Hustle culture, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit of that, but I think it's also fear-based as well. Like if I don't, if I take time off, then somebody else will have to do my job oh and my God, while I'm yeah. gone. And so then, you know, will I come back and will they still want me? Yeah. You know, um, how's my boss going to look at this if I, if I take this time off? So it's, there's a real struggle in the United States. I, I can't remember what the statistics are, but most people don't take all their vacation now in my case i was the same thing i wasn't taking vacation wasn't taking vacation and i was lucky enough to work someplace where that rolled over every year so it kept building and building up to a certain point once you reach a certain point they stop you and say if you don't use it by this year you know a certain percentage by this year you, you lose it which actually allowed me to to save up enough vacation so that I could take that time off to go do the Camino. So, so it's, you know, it's a give and take for us. You have to decide long-term, how are you going to spend this? What do you want to do it with? And and I was working a job at the time where we didn't, you know, August was like the least busiest time of the year for us and went to my boss and said, Hey, I'm going to be gone all of August, a little bit of September. And he's like, okay, you know, but that's super rare here. Super rare. I understand. Yeah. And so you went to Spain. Yes. I went to Spain for not speaking Spanish. Um, <laughs> and, and it really, you know, for me, the bucket list lifestyle really starts with an intention. Mm-hmm. You have to say, okay, what is the purpose of this list? If you just have a list of all the things everybody else does, right? Like yeah. go, to Ma- go to Machu Picchu, ride in a hot air balloon in Cappadocia, go see anchor Wat at sunrise you know i mean all those things are wonderful things but if you're just have them on your list because everybody else does i think it's harder to fulfill your list and i think it's harder to find real joy in it and so for me i set an intention to say my bucket list for the most part is going to be about uh, community so it's building relationships with new people or extending relationships that I already have. That was what I used as I wrote out my list. And the Camino just, you know, met that head on perfectly. Um, it, you know, that's what you, happens on the Camino. You, you, you walk for 30 days, 32 days, and you meet people along the way. You're typically walking 
maybe not at the same pace for the day, but you're walking from the same location to the, the next location. So mm. when you get into the next town, you see the same people, you have dinner with the same folks, and you really build a relationships um, with folks. And I, I want to do that in an international setting. And I did. I met, I met tons and tons of people um, and just really fell in love with the people. You know, when I got done, when I finally was there and in uh, Santiago de Compostela in front of the cathedral, looking up at it, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, I, I want to go again. <laughs> right. And for me, it was, more, I loved my experience, but my question was, what's next? Right? Yeah. What's the, what's the next thing I'm going to do? I'm an Aquarius as, as my Zodiac sign. And so I am like all over the place most of the time with ideas <laughs> and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was like, I had to complete something to prove to myself um, that I could do other things on top of that. And so that's really why, what drove me to the Camino. And I, I met all these wonderful people. What happened afterwards was I came home, I had made an Instagram reel that was more of like a slideshow of all the selfies that mm -hmm. I had taken with people along the walk. And I showed it to a friend of mine that I worked with. We had worked together for almost four and a half years. And when she was done watching the video, she looked up at me and she said, I've never seen you that happy. <laughs> and although although I was super excited that that's what she saw because I was I do think I was it was one of the ha most happiest times of, of my 52 years it also made me sad that she in four and a half years she had never seen that and so that's yeah. when I knew I had to make a change and I um, I was in the midst of another heart attack coming home from that and uh, just knew I had to I had to do something different. So I quit my job and my career of thirty years, and decided. Was it hard? Uh, <laughs> no, I was pretty excited not to work anymore, because I decided <laughs> to I decided to take an adult gap year. So I I you know raided my retirement fund and um, decided I'm just going to do things this whole year that just make me happy. So I just got done with that year, and, and I've had a good time. I'm so. Um, when you decided to do this adult gap year, like, did you write, you know, did you write down a list of well, all I'd the things that you a... wanted to do during this, uh, during this year? Yeah, I had, I've already had a bucket list by that point, pretty much set out. And so between the bucket list and the intent of the bucket list was, you know, community that kind of dictated or guided what I wound up doing over the course of the year. <clears throat> so I I did take a three month trip where I went to Costa Rica, Spain, Italy, Israel, and the United Kingdom for about three months. Uh, but most of those destinations were picked based on the relationships that I had built along the Camino de Santiago. So mm -hmm. one and my bucket list. So it was, I used those two things to kind of guide that that trip and that process. Um, and, and it was it was a wonderful experience. I think I saw a total over the three months about 20 people that I had met, 20, 22 people that I met on the Camino de Santiago. Starting out in Costa Rica, I went, and one of the things on my bucket list was to crash a wedding, show up at a <laughs> wedding that I wasn't invited to. And so there was a couple on the Camino that were engaged while they were walking. I met them. And one day at lunch, we were, there were a bunch of us together, and... I started asking them about their wedding. Like, where's your wedding going to be? What, you know, what's your wedding going to be like? And they're like, Oh, we're having this really neat small wedding, Costa Rica, 50 people. 
and it's gonna it's gonna be really awesome and i said i said well we should all just crash this wedding and everybody else around the table is like yeah we're gonna crash this wedding and it turned out that they kind of sped up and finished a couple of days ahead of me and they uh when they were all celebrating that they had finished the camino they uh were partying and were uh, drinking and the bride i guess got to the point where she was inviting everybody to come to the wedding basically <laughs> but i wasn't there and like two months after we had gotten home i remember this conversation about crashing i start texting people on whatsapp saying hey are we gonna crash this wedding and crickets i didn't hear anything back from anybody and then all of a sudden some one person messaged me back and she said um we all got invited <laughs> and so i so i said oh it's on i'm crashing this thing so so i made it appear to the to the couple that was getting married that i was going to be in europe to kind of make sure i didn't get an invitation to, mm -hmm. and uh went down there the week before the wedding with my partner and she and i spent a week in costa rica together because i was going to be gone for a couple months and we hung out together and had a good time crossed some things off of my bucket list like you know um zip lining and uh, going to a chocolate factory and stuff like that and then we the saturday before we left we saturday night we showed up at the reception at the wedding and the Brian and the groom were just floored and said it was one of the best gifts they got <laughs> the whole week. So it was, it was a good time, but really using that intention of community, right? I didn't want to go on the Camino and just those relationships be ethereal. You know, like they would just disappear. I wanted, I wanted them to last. And so that takes, that takes effort. Uh, it takes time. Of it course, takes effort. Yeah. It takes money. And um, so I just, I just knew that those three months I was taking, I was going to, I was going to reach out to the people that I had met and, I just loved my experience and was glad that I was able to, you know, see people and, you know, for, for people in the States to come to Europe, you know. Yeah, it's a big thing, right? It is a big thing. And, but there's always this pressure of like, oh, if you're going to, because it's such a big thing, if you're going to make that trip, you need to do X, Y, and Z, right? Like you need to go, if you're going to Italy, you need to go to Rome and you need to do this and you need to see that. And that was just not what I wanted. You know, I actually had somebody say, oh, you need to try gelato. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to be in Italy. I don't think I need to put that on my list. I'm probably going to be walking by a gelato, you know, store probably every, you know, block or two. You know, it's not going to be yeah. a problem. And and so the places that I stayed in, just stay Italy for a month. And I stayed in Matera, Italy for a month. And those are not typical uh, American destinations in Italy. <laughs> right. And so, you know, but I, but I made sure I, you know, I had to fly through Rome. I had a day in Rome. So I think I walked 10 miles that day, uh, just walking through Rome, standing in front of the old stuff, taking selfies and sending those back home. So people, you know, like, Oh, you completed that. It's like, I'm not even here mm -hmm. for that. I'm here for, I'm here for people. And, you know, I got to go to Milano and, and hang out with some friends uh, for a weekend. And, you know, it was just, it was just really important for me that it be about people. Um, but, you know, you were a teacher, so you mm -hmm. already had a sense of community. You were already, already part of a community. Why? What's the difference between the community that you had then and the community that you created after? Yeah, I think, you know, again, a part of, part of it is that the community that I was creating this might sound horrible, but the community that I was creating inside teaching 
was a job. I was doing that for a job. I wasn't, you know, did I enjoy it? Did I, were the, were they authentic relationships? Sure. They were absolutely authentic relationships, but it was still my job to do that. So that there, there still had to be outcomes from those relationships that I would get judged on whether or not I was doing a good enough job. Yeah. And would you say that, you know, being able to travel and create that new community, it was more from a place of freedom Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't have to do it. Right. If, and, and if I, I wasn't say forced to like bring people into the community, like on the Camino, you're walking with the same people. And I, in the first three or four days, I got into a group of people that were, were decent people, um, but they drank a lot and, and, and that's fine. You can do whatever you want with your body. I just don't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the other part of it was that in Europe, they bring you one bill for the whole table. And if there's yeah. 25 people at the table and everybody's drinking except you, guess what? They yeah. start splitting uh, that bill correctly. I can okay. relate because yeah. I do not drink. And, you know, like when you don't drink and people, you know, keep, you know, ordering bottles and bottles and bottles. And at the end of, you know, at the end of the party, you know, you're like, uh, yeah, and usually I say, you know, like I don't drink. I'm not paying for your alcohol. And yeah. I'm very straightforward because yeah. I'm not paying, you know, 100 whatever for right. something exactly. that I have not right. have not had. Right. So, yeah. So, so so that kind of was, you know, when you're doing the Camino, it's, you know, 30 days you're out, out there, you're trying to save as much money as possible. If they want to yeah. drink themselves silly and pass out, that's fine, but I'm not want to pay for that. So so I had to I had to kind of you know, cleave myself away from that group. Right. Mm-hmm. And I could do that because there weren't any expectations that I I have to go and I have to be with these people and I have to, you know, there were no have tos, there were only want tos. And so that's what the that's where the freedom comes in. It's that I want I, do I want to be with this group of people? No, I got people over here I can go be with. And I wound up with a group of Italian kids, you know, university kids that they drank, but they all took their care of their own stuff. There wasn't this, you know, party atmosphere. And most of the time they would just speak Italian and I wouldn't know what was going on. I didn't care. I just love just sitting there listening to them talk, watch watching them talk, watching Italians talk is so much fun. And so it, you know, it just it goes back to that is it a want to or is it a have to in my job the, those those communities and the those relationships i built were kind of have to's but out there and on traveling and meeting new people that's a want to yeah and so you took these three months off and you travel to europe mm. right and now uh are you back in the u.s yes yeah i've been so back, back for about US. six months yeah. And you, you are still in that um, adult ear gap, right? Yeah, I, I'm just getting finished. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I've been working. I wrote a book and published, self-published a book uh, during that time. I have a podcast. So I'm working but for myself and growing that business. So after you made that trip, you decided to have a podcast and you decided to write your book. The podcast have been going before that trip. Okay. The book really did come out of the podcast and my experiences traveling and, and crossing things off my bucket list. So the book I I had on my bucket list before I started my gap year that I wanted to write a book. And I've actually started like three <laughs> and finished one. 
And so, um, but the one that I finished wasn't actually a part of the original <laughs> plan. Uh, okay. you know, I, I, I just, I have had so many good experiences crossing things off my list. My, my podcast is all about uh, individuals that have crossed items off their list. So folks come on the show, they share one item. We talk about that one item uh, and then and they're off. So it's really to encourage and empower people to start crossing items off their list. And it's not about me. It's about my guests and their stories. And so a lot of the book comes from, those experiences, the things that I've heard them say and, and think, uh, and then my own experiences with my own bucket list, trying to figure out how do you live a lifestyle where your your focus is not on the 40 to 50 hours that you work, but the focus is on what brings you joy in those seven, 70 hours a week that you mm, have so left important. over. Yeah. And what's your biggest take from your um, European trip? from my year uh to stroll <clears throat> and learn to stroll in america it's car culture so <clears throat> we go from we we get in our car in our front door and we drive to wherever we're going and we try to get the closest parking spot to the yeah. next door and we go into that door and in europe i mean I, I did stay in older sections and i know that there's cars in europe but but i would stay in older sections of town so i would just stroll and and just i didn't have to be anywhere i could, and i took my time and i didn't you know it, i just learned to stroll and what came out of that was this sense of um the ability to just be present and and realize what's around you because when you're here in the states and you're a car culture you don't pass by neighborhoods you don't pass by shops you don't see art you yeah. don't you know and i was walking through uh, matera italy one morning to go to the grocery store and just taking my time i didn't you know and i literally ran into a salvador dali sculpture this <laughs> giant space elephant right in the middle and and i'm just like perplexed because it's like dali you know, this isn't, I'm not in Spain. I'm in Italy. <laughs> Why is Dolly, Dolly Spanish? Here's this huge bronze sculpture, you know, of, of Dolly's. And I start, luckily the, the um, card that gave all the information about it also had it in English. And it turns out there's six of these Dolly sculptures in Matera, Italy, in this town. And you can actually walk, make a circle around the town and to see all these six sculptures. And I was like, oh, well, I'm doing that today. You know, <laughs> like, I didn't know that existed. It, I didn't know what, you know, that it was yeah. happening, but, but it's like, if I slow down and see the world, I, the, the universe can give me more than what I know is, is available to me. Of course. And it's true that in Europe, we tend to, you know, we tend to walk a lot. I mean, I don't even have like a driving li li license. I don't. And for Americans, like it's, it's pretty shocking. I mean, for French people, it's kind of like shocking, but you know, I live in Switzerland and every, everyone, you know, almost everyone takes public transportation. So uh, like you don't, like I, there are many people, even with um, couples with family, you know, with kids, like they don't, they don't have a car. So yeah. it, it's possible. I know like in America, like everyone, you know, everyone needs a car. Yep. Everyone you, needs a car. Yeah. We have families, multiple, you know, families have multiple cars. So yeah. when I, when I had my children, when they were driving age, we had, four cars for five people. 
poor cars. Oh my God. And that yep. must cost a lot of money. Oh, it's extremely expensive. Not just because of the price of the cars, but then you have the insurance and the gas. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it just, it just goes on and on. It's just a, it's just a succubus. It just bleeds you dry. My mom one time asked me, she goes, I don't understand how these Europeans can, it's so expensive to live there, which is not necessarily true. It is expensive, but it's not that much more expensive than we have it here. No. And, and she was like, I don't understand how Europeans live, you know, because it's so expensive. And I'm like, mom, they don't have cars. <laughs> That's what. That's why you know they don't have cars. They don't have well, all that they, cars. Well, I mean, most do, but you know, most of the time it's just one car. Some people have two right. cars, but most of the time it's like really one car, or and the other person, you know, just takes public transportation or something like that. Yeah, in the United States, if you're over eighteen or nineteen years old, you pretty much have to have a car. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. And so uh, now you know you're you're almost finished you know with your one year um adult gap and what's next are you going back to teaching yeah I, i'm doing a, a part-time i'm going to substitute teach a little bit just to keep supplementing my income as i continue to pursue my own desires so i i do have a uh, podcast that i'm monetizing it's got the book out i've i am uh i'm in the process of trying to finish uh my next book and then also creating a podcast for that book as well so i'll have two podcasts probably next next summer sometime okay and what would you say to someone who doesn't have a bucket list you know mm. why would you say to what's the purpose of a bucket list yeah Again, that's a, that's like an individualized thing, but ultimately, because you want to have an intention for your list, and everybody's intention can be different. The mind's community, but somebody else's could be forcing themselves out of their bubble, or you know, experiencing the world, or whatever it could be is the intention. But just to have one, I really think that we are responsible for our own joy. That's for and, sure. Yeah, and and so. If you're if you're having trouble finding that, you know, like people like I don't know what I'm into, you know. Yeah. Well, bucket list is a great way to find things to be into, <laughs> and that's really the point is to is to bring yourself joy. And so, even my partner and I, you know, she has a list, I have my own list, and then we kind of have a list that's like together because you still need to have it can't be just one list for the two of us because we have different desires, we have different. Of different wants. So an example would be when I said, I'm going to do the Camino. She's like, I kind of want to do it. I kind of don't want to <laughs> do it. I kind of don't want to stay in hostels. I did, you know, she's like, you know, she's like, I don't know if I want to walk that much because I'd love to travel in Spain on my, you know, and I said, well, why don't you go for a couple of weeks to, and travel solo in Spain and I'll be walking the Camino and then we can meet up for the last five days and you can walk with me the last five days. So it was a way to compromise. You know, she got to experience and do things she wanted to do. And I got to experience and do things I wanted to do. And then we did some stuff together. So it, it's really important to have that, especially inside of a relationship. Of course, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've got to have space to be yourself and, and bring yourself joy and not be held back because somebody else doesn't want to go to Machu Picchu or somebody else no. doesn't, you know, want to go And because the happier you are as a person, the happier you will be 
in that relationship. Right. In all your relationships, right? Not just, yeah, not just exactly. a partner, but, but I'm a better person now to my, my, to my parents, to my children, to my partner, to the people I'm friends with, you know, because I'm more fulfilled when it's that, it's that old adage, you know, you get on the plane and they tell you to, if the mask drops, put on the mask first before yeah, you try to help a exactly. child or an elderly person. And, and that's because if you're not well, you can't help other people. And some you know, in America, there's, there's some talk like that's so selfish. That's so selfish. It's like, why is it selfish to be in a place where I can be happy and assist other people? where I can be encouraging for other people because I'm fulfilled. And so it's just, it's about bringing yourself joy so that you can be an overall better person. And would you say that a bucket list um, tends to make you step out of your comfort zone? It can, it can. I, I think in general it can, but, But the, the thing about a bucket list that I like to stress is that it doesn't have to be these grand adventures. You don't have to take a year off <laughs> of, of work and travel the world and um, go to Angkor Wat or go to the Great Barrier Reef. You know, those are great things and you can do them. But the reality is, is that it goes back to what's your intention and how do you want to find joy? So I have, I mentor folks in bucket list uh, lifestyle and I have one client where she, Um, she's not adventurous. She doesn't want to travel. She, it's not, it's not something that's important to her. It's something that scares her. So she could push her out of her comfort zone, which may be a good thing. But she said, I said, well, what do you enjoy? What are you into? And she goes, I love Thai food. And I, I said, okay. So I do said, I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, 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 who is, who has had real Thai food doesn't love it, but, but it, You know, she says, I just really love Thai food, but I can't, but I'm not good at cooking it. <clears throat> and I said, well, why can't you just, what, do you think there's 12 recipes, 12 Thai recipes that you would like to learn? And she goes, oh yeah. I said, okay, that's your bucket list. That's her bucket list. She has a bucket list of 12 recipes. She takes one each month. She cooks it three or four times that same thing over a course of a month so that she can master cooking it and that it's in her arsenal of recipes as she knows how to do it. So she just watches awesome. YouTube videos, you know, it doesn't, the, the bucket list doesn't have to be these grand things. I have a friend that, um, that we were talking through this once and he was like, he's like, I don't know what I should put on my bucket list. I'm like, well, you love golf, right? And he goes, yeah, I love playing golf, which I can't stand, but he loves <laughs> playing golf and that's fine for him. But he was just like, I love golf. And I said, well, what else are you into? And he said, he said, I'd really like if, if I could had the time and I could do it, I would really like to visit all 50 states. So, and then, so your listeners understand in the United States, the average American probably only visits 12 states out of the 50 in their lifetime. Okay. So it's a pretty big deal for people in the state, even for people in the states to yeah. travel all travel all 50. And he said, I would like to, I'd like to do all 50 states. And I said, well, how about you combine those two things? He's like, what? And I said, well, just combine them. Your bucket list can be playing around the golf at all 50 states and in, in, in all 50 states. He's yeah. like, I can, I can do that. I'm like, you can do whatever you want, man. This of is the, you know, I don't, I don't care what it is, but if it's going to make you happy, because that would make me really happy. I think that would be really cool. So, all right, man, there's your list. It's that's it is that simple in some instances, you know. What brings you joy, and and why do you want it to do those things? If you if you work out those, you know, it makes it easier to create your list, 
right? If you have an intention, yeah. um, most of the things on my list are are communal, but they don't have to be. Um, I got knuckle tattoos this past year, which, which was <laughs> had been on my list for a while. Um, not really communal, although I did meet a, a new tattoo artist, two new two new tattoo artists. So I had these two new friends. So it's kind of communal, <laughs> um, yeah. not with intention, but but it just happens. And and so you know, it, it's easier to decide what you want on your list when you have that intention, and it's also easier to decide what's a priority to cross cross off when you get done creating it what's the what's the thing i'm going to cross off first what's the thing that matches my intention that i want to make sure i do and get that done that will bring me joy and do you still have things on your bucket list that you haven't done yet oh yeah so for me Unlike a, like a New Year's resolution, right? I don't know if it's a thing in Europe, you know, people. It is, making- but I don't believe in it. I mean, people <laughs> yeah, never, you know, yeah. keep their resolutions like. Yeah. So the- in the United States, only only nine to twelve percent of the people that make res- New Year's resolutions keep them, and and yeah. and, and only twenty six percent of the people keep them past February. So, so <laughs> it is not it is not a really good uh, idea to try to make New Year's no. resolutions. But one of the main differences between like having a bucket list and having a New Year's resolution, for me, the bucket list is a living document, right? You put things off of it that you want to do. You cross things off of it that you've completed. But there's also should be the ability to say, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And then you might you have may grown out of, you know, wanting to go to Tomorrowland. Like you, you may feel like that's not something that, that you want to put on your list anymore. And that should be okay to say. And there yeah. should be a shame in that, right? I mean, you should, it, it should be a shame-free process that that if you don't do something, it's okay. It was a thought, it was an idea, it doesn't have to be actuated, you know. Of course. But, and so I think that's the real the real benefit of having a bucket list is that it should be a living document and you can, it can change and that's okay. Yeah. Because we change because we evolve and we expand and therefore we want to experience new things. Right. Yeah. Or, or we can just, or it's okay to just say that doesn't fit anymore. Right. I mean, like I, that seemed like a really good idea a long time ago. I mean, I got pretty banged up on the Camino. I had a, you know, I had a, I tweaked my knee three days in. I had some, you know, shin splints that were horrible the last two weeks. You know, it was tough for me to do that. So when I got done, like I used to have the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Coast Trail and the um, Continental Divide Trail, which are the three major through hikes here in the United States on my bucket list. And I came home and I'm just like, nope. <laughs> you know, if if I can barely get through it having albergues and you know and food every you know five kilometers, I, there's no way I'm gonna go out in the woods for four days and do all this hiking and stuff. So I'm like, nope, those are off. You know, then that's okay. And right now, what's the biggest thing that you have on your bucket list and that you want to achieve? What's the yeah? What's the biggest thing? Like the biggest yeah. goal. Uh, again, it's such a hard question for me because I have lots. I I look at every single one of the things on my list as big. Like like if I'm gonna if I accomplish it and get it done, that's a that's a that's a win. That's a victory okay, for me. What's your priority? 
My priority right now is to to finish my 50 states. I only have two left. So I have I have Alaska and North Dakota uh, left on my list. So I'm, I'm I've heard Alaska is beautiful. It it definitely is, and I live in the Pacific Northwest. I live in Seattle area, so it's it's very cheap for me to get up there. It's like a you know it's 150 200 dollars to get a plane ticket you know both ways, so it's not yeah. too bad. Um, and North Dakota is pretty close, um, so I should be able to get those done this year, um, this upcoming year. I am. We have the World Championship of Barbecue. I don't know if you're familiar with barbecue or not. Yes, um, I am, but I'm not familiar with championship. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's in Memphis. It's in Memphis, Tennessee. It's a huge, huge deal um, for, for that city and for people that are into barbecue. And so uh, two of my friends from high school uh, from primary are going to meet us, uh, meet us all together and go there for the weekend and enjoy ourselves and hang out. Um, that's a big deal. And then there's an event in Las Vegas called Punk Rock Bowling which is a punk rock music festival um, that they have every year. And then they also have a bowling tournament on top of that, that you can participate in. So I'm putting together a team for people to uh, attend the punk rock bowling. Yeah. So, I mean, when I listen to what you're saying, it feels like, I don't know, like, you know, you have found your purpose. Mm. Because there's so much passion and so much joy when you talk about these things. And yeah, you, you know, you are alive when you speak about yeah. all these things. And it really feels like, yeah, I mean, you found your purpose through your bucket list. Yeah. And, you know, one of my things is that I like to say is that, you know, the most interesting person in the room is not the richest, not the prettiest, not the most famous, but the, but the most interesting person in the room is the person that has personal life stories. Yeah. Not to brag about, or, you know, that person's boring, but, but just to be able to have experiences that you can communicate that go beyond the superficial Mm-hmm. I think is a huge benefit to having a bucket list and getting out of your comfort zone. It is. And so tell me, where can people find you? Yeah. You, the best place to do that is crossing it off podcast.com. Uh, you can find all the information about me. You can um, hear the podcast. You can uh, find more information about the book, live out your list. That's available worldwide through Amazon. And um yeah, that's the best place. If folks are looking to see some of the things that I'm doing, they can go to Instagram and go to crosser.offer. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It was, you know, it was really amazing to listen to your story and how you found your purpose. So yeah, thank you thanks. so much. No, thank you for allowing me to be here, Monica. I appreciate it. Hey, not so fast. Do you want to find yourself? Do you want to find your happiness? Do you finally want to live a life you truly love? Then let's have a chat. Go check my website, embodyyourflow.com and book your free call.